I want John to come up um, and just, he's going to talk to us for a couple of minutes and then introduce Steve and Amanda. Is that okay? So come on on up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's, um, it's, it's great to be here in this amazing building that we looked at many years ago out through the back of Brian and Anne's uh, uh, house. Um, they claimed this building by faith, and they brought me actually in to see the building years ago. And to be in it now is amazing. So well done, you guys, for standing there in faith. Um, I'm going to introduce my friends now in a second. But um, it's great to be here. It's great to be alive and back in Dublin again. I live in the UK. I'm trying to sort the English out. I'm living over there, and I've got, got a job in my hands. But I know some of you know who I am, um, you know, the work that I do. My, the biggest syringe in the world is in the car park. Uh, I just drove in in it. And um, I spent three days living in a coffin just there recently. And we spoke to over 100 million people all over the world, um, telling them that there, is, that there is life, that there's nothing can take us out. I'm a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. I was in drugs and drink for over 20 years. I've had a liver transplant. I've had cancer twice. I've had hep C. I got 41 pints of blood just three years ago just to keep me alive. 41 pints of blood transfused. But I'm completely healed of everything. I have no cancer. I have no hep C. I've got absolutely no sickness. As a matter of fact, I'm the Irish transplant champion in the 1,500 meters, the 800 meters, and the 400 meters. And um, I, say that, I say that to glorify the name of God. Jesus Christ is real. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you come from, what kind of brokenness, or what kind of, how your economy is at the moment, how business is, how your life is. I want to tell you, go to the next level, because God is real. Your miracle is waiting to happen. you just got to press into God, begin to declare his word. And I've got a couple here with, with us this morning. They're great friends of ours. Their names are Steve and Amanda Varty. And um, it's my great privilege to introduce them now in a second. But uh, we've known them now for about five or six years, I think. Since 2011, we know you. And um, I watched their journey. I've been a spectator to their journey. And um, it's just been a, a privilege to see them grow and I know their story is going to blow you away. I don't want to steal a second of their time. Their story is going to blow you away. While you're listening to them, I want you to think about your situation that you're personally in. The real, the, the miracle that you're waiting for. The, the situation maybe in your health or your finances or something. The miracle that you're waiting for. Keep that in mind while you're listening to them. Don't leave this building this morning thinking, what an incredible testimony. Leave this building this morning thinking, what an incredible God. And be expectant by the time you leave here. And we'll pray with you at the end. Me and Trish will hang around as well. We'll pray with you. I know Stephen and Amanda will pray with you too. We'll pray with you that your miracle will happen. Not next year. Not in six months' time. But that your miracle will happen over this next season in your life. Amen? So I want to lift all your faith before you listen to these guys. So with that, just Stephen and Amanda, come on up here and share your story with us. Thanks. Thank you. Just get ourselves sorted out here. Well, we've been here now in Ireland for a week, and it's been a wonderful time. Um, I don't want you to worry. We've brought some pictures, but it's not our holiday snaps. We're not going to bore you with them. <laughs> right, so there's the first picture. That was us on our wedding day just over 25 years ago. Now, you can probably tell it's our wedding day because Amanda's dress does give the game away. But you're also thinking, that can't be 25 years ago, but he just doesn't look old enough to be married 25 years. <laughs> right, cheers for that. He wish. Well, if you, if you did have any doubt, 
How about that jacket? If that doesn't date it, I don't know what does. And I don't know if there's anybody under 30 left in the room, but if there is, ask your parents, I promise you, that was fashionable then. But on that day, we used the, the vows that would love each other in sickness and health, just like anybody else does when they get married. However, we had absolutely no idea at that time just how much we were going to be tested on those vows. No, because in February 2002, our lives really did change overnight. I woke up, I was in agony. Next thing, I'm in an ambulance being rushed to hospital and was told that I had internal bleeding in my kidney and that there was a growth there that they said looked like a very aggressive form of cancer. We were just devastated. We were a young couple who thought we had our whole lives ahead of us, and now we have this word cancer hanging over us. So I was told that I'd have to go for surgery, and that the surgery was so major that that could be life-threatening. So I remember being on the um, the, the trolley that take you up to the operating theatre on, and just clinging to God like I'd never clung to God before. Because I'd actually been a Christian since I was 15, but I'd never needed faith like I needed it then. And so I remember the next thing was waking up after the surgery. There were all these tubes and machines attached to me and a doctor coming over to the bed. And he said, I've got some amazing news. The growth wasn't cancer. It's going to take you three months to recover, but then you're going to have a totally normal life. So I was just raring to go. It was like being given a second chance at life. But then it all went wrong because my side burst open. Fluid began to gush out. I was rushed back into hospital and developed some very serious complications. And then the doctor, the same doctor, came to the bed and said, there's nothing more we can do for you. We've tried everything. And so I was sent home. And the doctor, as we left, said, all we can hope now is that by some miracle, your body finds a way to heal itself. Well, we just began to pray and pray. All of our church began to pray. And my kidney and every complication totally healed. Every scan was clear. The doctors couldn't believe what they were seeing. And so we were celebrating. We were so overjoyed. We were going to get our lives back. And then my condition started to deteriorate. Nobody could explain why, but I was becoming more disabled by the day. I think for me, one of the worst days around about that time was the one when I came home and I found Amanda lying in a heap at the bottom of the stairs Now, if you get to know Amanda, there's one thing you will learn about her, and that is she's a fighter. And she had absolutely no idea what was wrong with her, but she knew one thing, and that was she was going to fight it, and she was going to beat it. And that day she'd been down to see the GP, and if we'd really been honest, she wasn't well enough to have gone. And we live at the top of a really big hill, and she'd had to get herself home. And when she came in, she was so tired, she just thought, I've got to get to bed and have a lie down. But as she started to climb the stairs, all the energy in her body left her, and she just dropped in a heap on the floor. And that's exactly where I found her, hours later when I got in from work, lying at the bottom of the stairs in a heap. But by this time, she was in absolute floods of tears. She'd been so ill, she couldn't even crawl a few yards to where our phone is to ring me and tell us what had happened. 
And I was just like any normal husband. I wanted to do something. I wanted to help. I wanted to make it better. But I had no any, uh, no further ideas than the doctors had. I had nothing I could do. All I could think of doing that night was just get down on my hands and knees, put my arms around her, and cry with her. And that's what we did. We had a good sob. And after that, I, I picked her up, I carried her upstairs, and I laid her gently on the bed. When I did that at the time, I had absolutely no idea just what a big thing it was. Because from that day on, she was bed-bound. And she remained bed-bound for nine whole years. Yeah. I finally got diagnosed with a very severe form of a condition called ME. Now, I'd vaguely heard of ME, but I didn't know anything about it. So I assumed that what would happen next would be the doctors would tell me what the cure was. But instead, the doctors came and said that there was no cure, which absolutely shook me to the core. But then I remembered that the last time the doctors couldn't do anything for me, that God had come through. And so we began to pray in faith, believing that if God could heal my kidney, he was going to heal this ME too. And so our church were praying with us again. Even our friend's six-year-old daughter was praying. And you know, that little girl was so sweet. It was like it was her mission to pray for me. And every night she'd stop her family at the dinner table and say, come on, we've got to pray for Amanda so God can make her better. But you know, as the months went by and my condition began to get worse, not better, that little girl began to ask a heartbreaking question. Mummy, why is God not answering? And you know, I wish we could have given her an answer, but we were all wondering the same thing. Why on earth wasn't God answering? By this time, my condition had actually got so bad that Steve was having to spoon feed me. My world had become the tiny world of the four walls of a darkened room because I had severe light sensitivity and couldn't even have the curtains open. So for nine years, I didn't even see sunlight. I lost my job. I absolutely loved my job. I worked as a careers advisor. I used to help young people to live out their dreams, and it broke my heart when that happened. Without, our in- without that income, we lost our car, and we very, very nearly lost our house. It just felt like things were going from bad to worse. And then after four years in that condition, the doctors said, I was now considered too severely affected to ever recover. And it was time to accept that this is what life was going to be for me from now on. I was even so ill that I couldn't have visitors. So for nine years, the only two human beings I saw were Steve and my GP. And I'm a real people person, so it just began to feel like I was losing who I was. My face then broke out in boil-like sores, and I got to the point where I couldn't even look in the mirror without crying because I didn't even recognize my own face. It was just like I was losing everything. And I remember lying in bed, sobbing to God and just begging him to help me. It was a prayer of total surrender of just recognizing that no matter how much of a fighter I might be, I couldn't fix this, and that I needed God, and that he really was my absolute only hope. What I didn't realize, though, was that that prayer of surrender would be the turning point of the whole situation. And the answer (laughs) to that prayer came in a way we weren't expecting, because what happened next was I was invited to Life Church in Bradford, they were having a healing service, and a friend of ours said, why don't you come along and receive healing prayer for Amanda? 
Well, like I said before, I was at absolute desperation point, just wanting anything I could do. So I said, yeah, definitely, I'll go along. So I went along, and that night, one of the pastors was praying with us. And halfway through, when he was praying, he just stopped and he said, I feel I've got a word for you from God. He's he's trying to give us a message for you. And what he's trying to tell you is, it's a done deal, your wife will be healed. Well, I'm sure you can imagine that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And I just couldn't wait to get home and tell Amanda. But as I was going for the door, it was a tap on my shoulder. I turned around and it was another one of the pastors. And he said, I don't know who you are, but I just feel I've got to pray with you. Well, at this point, I was on a roll. Come on, bring it on, more the merrier. And while he was praying, exactly the same thing happened. Halfway through, he stopped and said, I feel I've got a word from God for you. He's trying to say, it's a done deal, your wife will be healed. Well, that was it. Two sides of the room, two separate people, exactly the same message. I just knew it. That was the night Amanda was going to be healed. (laughs) I couldn't wait to get home. I ran through the door, straight upstairs, told her everything that happened and said, I've got to pray with you. You're going to be healed. So she's lying in the bed and I, I climbed over and leaned over the bed and I laid hands on her shoulders. So I'm, I'm like this. And if you don't believe us, this is the proper position to pray for healing. <laughs> and um, if you check, somebody's just walked in. You, uh, this is going to take some explaining. <laughs> Yeah, this is the proper position to pray for healing. It's in the Bible, and I challenge you to go home and find it. So I'm praying with Amanda, and I'm thinking, wow, it's going to happen. She's going to be healed. And I just started crying. I couldn't stop. The tears were flooding out of us. So I thought, wow, the Spirit's working tonight. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then I just started to sweat. It was like every pore in my body opened. It was horrible, but I didn't care how silly I looked. Not like today, unfortunately. (laughs) But I didn't care how silly I looked because it was going to happen. And then my nose started to run. (laughs) I suppose it could have been worse. And I did it better though because Amanda was going to be healed. (laughs) So I'm in the position. You all got the position ready? I'm in the position and I'm waiting for the zap from God. And absolutely nothing happened. In fact, it was to be another four years before we saw any physical healing in Amanda's body at all. But you know, having that promise from God that my healing was a done deal changed everything for us. It was like our language suddenly changed to from if I was healed to when I was healed. And you know, we even got out this piece of paper and made a dream list of things we'd do when I was healed in faith that it was going to happen. So there were small things seemingly to other people on the dream list, just things like going to the theatre together or going for a walk in the beautiful moorland near where we live and we have these gorgeous hills outside of our house. And so I just wanted to feel fresh air and sunlight on my face again. And so that was on the dream list. And then there were bigger dreams, like I wanted to go to Bible college. And the the dream that was quite a big one, I'd say, the dream that I was going to do the Great North Run, which, you know, for someone bedbound, that's a pretty big dream. But God's a big God, so why not put it on the dream list? 
But then there was the dream that for me was the most special dream of all. The dream that Steve and I would dance together again. Because you see, for me, dancing was just everything that being bedbound wasn't. Full of life and joy and energy and freedom. So whenever I would picture what it would be like to be healed, that's what I saw. The picture of Steve and I dancing together again. And every night we'd pray together and picture the day it would happen. And then one night there was this rustling sound. And Steve appeared looking very pleased with himself in the doorway carrying a carrier bag. I'm going to find out what this is for now. If it was intriguing anybody. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> Any fans of Blue Peter? <laughs> Here's one I made earlier. <laughs> so I came in with this bag. And what it had inside of it was a pair of shoes. A jacket, and a dress. (laughs) I have to say, I was impressed. (laughs) Before you all start thinking the worst of us, it wasn't for me. I don't think even God could manage a miracle of getting me in that dress. (laughs) No, I I gave these to Amanda and I said, right, you're going to need these because this is what you're going to wear when we go to church. And I hung them up on the wardrobe so they were there in our eye line. We saw them every day, but also they were ready and waiting for the exact time that was coming when Amanda would go back to church. And you know, it just blew me away when Steve did that, because that's like putting your money where your mouth is, isn't it? To say, you know, not just have faith I'm going to be healed, but actually buy the dress, shoes and jacket for the day it happens. And when they hung there, it was actually four years they hung there. But when I would be having a bad day, I would look up at them and I would say, no, my God's promised that my healing is a done deal. I will wear that dress, shoes and jacket. I will leave the house and Steve and I will dance together. And so it would lift my faith and it would keep me going. And you know, during those four years, it must have looked from the outside like nothing was happening. But actually God was doing a healing that nobody could see because... As I lay there, having to trust God moment to moment, having to ask him to give me the strength just to get through another day, I found that I could finally trust him with something I'd never trusted anyone with. And that was the emotional scars I had on the inside because I'd been through a lot of traumatic stuff when I was a little girl. And so as I did that... God just came in so gently and began to, one by one, heal emotional scars I never thought it possible to be free from. Even helped me to forgive people I never thought I could forgive. And brought me to a point where I could look in the mirror again. And that I didn't feel ashamed anymore, even though I had scars all over my face. Because I understood for the first time that God loved and accepted me, scars and all. And so that emotional healing was so precious, but I still longed for the physical healing. And it was at this point that God began to address that issue. 
It all began on this summer's day. I was lying in bed praying and I felt God give me three words, go to church. Now, obviously it looked pretty impossible. I couldn't even go downstairs in my own house. But at exactly the same time in church, a trusted friend of ours and a stranger both confirmed the same thing to Steve. In fact, the stranger who was just visiting church that day said to him, I feel I have a message for your wife. She needs to toss back her long dark hair. She needs not to worry about the thing on her face and she just needs to go to church. Well, I tell you what, when Steve came home and told me that, I had been so ashamed about my face that only Steve and the GP knew about it. Even my closest friends back home didn't know about it. And so for God to show this lady that, then I knew this was God. And so I just said to God, this looks impossible, but I'm willing. If I do all that I can do, will you do what I can't, or will you make a way? Well... God certainly made a way because two weeks later, I wore the dress, the shoes, and the jacket, and I left the house for the first time in nine years. I just felt tears of joy to feel sunlight on my face, and we went to church together. It was so comical. Steve actually had to carry me down the stairs, lie me on the back seat of a friend's car. When I got to church, they had to put three chairs out for me because I couldn't even sit upright in a wheelchair because all my muscles had wasted away from being bedbound, including all my back muscles. But as soon as church began, I took Steve's hand and began to sing worship to God. And as I was thanking and praising him that I was out the house for the first time in nine years, strength filled my body. I sat upright for an entire hour and a half, despite all of my wasted back muscles, and then realized I was holding my arms in the air in worship. And these were arms that couldn't even normally lift a fork to my mouth. So I knew God was doing something dramatic. But then a really weird thing happened because the moment I left the church, all of the strength drained out of me and I was bedbound again, exactly back to where I started from. But I was determined of one thing. I was definitely going to go back to church next week. <laughs> and so we did the same thing again. And for eight months, that's how it was. Every time I was in church, the strength would come. Every time I left church, I'd be bedbound again. But I was determined I was going to keep trusting God and keep persevering. And I'm so glad I did because that little Irishman who was just talking to you a moment ago came up to me in church after eight months and said, can I pray with you? And that day I got up out of my wheelchair and I walked on legs that should not have been able to carry me. Do you know, it was like the the miracles Jesus did in the Bible and it was actually happening to me. And so I wasn't fully healed that day, but from that day onwards, I could use a walking frame. You know those little three-wheeled walking frames? Oh yeah, you've got a picture of it. (laughs) I I look great on it, don't I? And um, I used to walk lengths of the bedroom on the walking frame and I would actually text John every day to tell him how many lengths I'd done that day and every day as I did it I would pray come on God just give me the strength to do one more length today and one day as I was doing that I just felt like God was putting my heart to set a very specific goal now wait for this the goal was that I should do a 10k mini marathon now, you see, you just have to look at the picture to see. I don't really look much like 10K mini marathon material. But then we told John this, and he said, you know, you haven't had a holiday in 13 years. 
why don't we book the Dublin 10K mini marathon and I'll take you over to Ireland and you can have a holiday too. And so that's what I did. I went online in faith, booked the Dublin 10K mini marathon, then continued to walk lengths of the bedroom on the walking frame in what has to be the most bizarre 10K training plan that anyone's ever attempted. And so while all this was happening, our church held a worship service. And that night, although I wasn't feeling very well, I stumbled in on my walking frame, just closed my eyes and began to praise God. And you know, as I was just praising God, it was like there was only me and him in the room. And I just felt this energy hit me. And when you have Emmy, you have no energy whatsoever. And so it just stood out a mile. And I just got my hand, I shoved the walking frame out the way and began to dance. <laughs> Steve didn't can believe what he was saying. I think he didn't know whether to film it or whether to grab me and dance with me. And so being Steve, he did both and captured that moment forever of the, the moment I danced in church. And it's actually, it's on YouTube. So if you don't believe me, you can see it on there. But then I just felt Steve take my hand and the two of us began to dance together, just like I'd always believed we would. And, you know, it was like everything I'd imagined and just so much more. And so here I was. This was my picture of healing. Now I must surely be healed. But you know what? The moment I left the church, all of that energy drained out of me. And I was back to using the walking frame again. But I had seen God give me a glimpse of the very dream of my heart. And so I said, okay, God, I trust you. There has to be more to come because I know you are not a God of half measures. And there really was more to come because in June 2013, I set off on my walking frame on the Dublin 10K mini marathon. There I was clinging to the walking frame with 44,000 women around me, including Trish by my side, just praying that God was going to help me get to that finish line. It was the biggest step of faith I've ever taken in my life. But God really rewarded that step of faith because halfway around that mini marathon, It was like something changed in my body. And I stood up from my normally stooped posture, handed the walking frame to Steve, who was waiting at the halfway mark, finished the rest of the mini marathon without the walking frame, and ran over the finish line. And I've never needed a walking frame since. (laughs) Oh, praise God. And so what I didn't realize in that moment was that was the exact moment that God healed me of Emmy, the illness the doctors said I would never be free from. And so since then, God has just been giving us our lives back and all those things on the dream list, we've been living those out. So we did get to go to the theater together again. I think you've got to, yeah. We did get to go walking on those beautiful hills like I believed we would. And this is a picture of the first day I did that. And the girl in the yellow jacket is little Naomi, who is a six-year-old, prayed so faithfully for me. And she saw with her own eyes that day that God had heard and answered her prayers, which was so precious. And then there were the bigger dreams on the dream list. So I did get accepted for Bible college. And I graduated from Bible college with my whole church cheering me on. And yeah, I had very high heels on that night, first time in 13 years, so I was very impressed that I stayed upright. 
And then there was that big dream I had of doing the Great North Run. Well, in September 2014, we did the Great North Run together. A 13.1 mile half marathon, only 15 months after needing a walking frame. Yeah, and it was me who needed the wheelchair after that. <laughs> oh. And you know, the Great North Runs held in our home city of Newcastle. And it was the first time in 13 years I'd been able to go back and see friends and family I hadn't seen in all that time. And there were two nephews and a niece who were born while I was bedbound. And I just put my arms around them and gave them the first hug from their auntie Amanda. And it just showed me that God doesn't just give back what you've lost. He gives back so much more. And so all sorts has happened since then. We now have the privilege of speaking in churches all around the UK and speaking at conferences and seeing God use what we've been through, not just for us, but now to help other people find their breakthrough. And there's even been a song called Dance Again was written about our story. And people have been instantly healed listening to that song. We get messages from all over the world of how God is bringing hope and healing. And we're going to play it today. And I really pray it blesses you because it is a beautiful song for anyone going through tough times. And so I just want to say that if any of you are going through tough times today, I just really pray that our story can encourage you and can just help you to hold on to a God who is trustworthy and who does keep his promises because nothing is impossible for God. And, you know, as Brian said, we, we, we haven't got long. We have got a ferry to catch, so if we're looking at our watches, it's because so we don't miss our ferry. But we will stay behind if anybody wants to be prayed with. And also, if any of you today have heard me talking about a God who is so real and who is there in the tough times, but you don't know that God, then come and see one of us, because it is simple as saying a prayer to ask God to come into your life. And if you need God like I needed God, then just come and do that simple thing today and I promise you it will absolutely change your life. Thank you. Not that you can say after that. Um, we're going to play that song. So Amanda took an amazing step of faith. Several of them. Stephen took one going to the shops. I thought he took a step of faith buying the woman a dress, never mind that she couldn't even walk. <laughs> I'd never try buying Anne a dress because I know I'd be just sent back with it. It'd be as simple as that. He has good taste actually for a fella, hasn't he? I think I'd have nearly got away with that one. Here's the deal. Um, I don't know where you're at. And it doesn't really matter whether I know. And this is not about Steve or Amanda or John or Trish or me or anyone else who will ever stand up here. This is about a God who created the heavens and the earth and who knows you intimately, even if you don't know him intimately, and who loves you immensely beyond anything you could ever think or imagine, and who paid the ultimate price so that all of us could party with him in heaven forever. So all of us could party on this planet. Then no matter what crap we're going through down here, that we can have a peace 
in the middle of it all, that we can have a joy in the middle of it all that can carry you through nine years of being bedbound and still believe in God in the end of it and still love him and know that he loves you. That's something very special that doesn't just come. That's something that is relationship and relationship takes us making moves and stepping out. And I remember the time um, I wanted to get married. You have to make a step of faith and take a chance and, and go and ask, don't you? And, um, and hoping that she doesn't say no. And, and the reality of it is, everything we have to do, if we want it to work, so we have to step out. So here's the thing. I don't know your situations, but I can bet a bottom dollar there's people in here who need physical healing. There's people in here who need emotional healing because your head's in a jock. And whatever happened to you in the past is still wrecking your present and is destroying your future. And there's people in here who need maybe a financial breakthrough or whatever else you need. Make a step of faith. So here's the day we're going to show that song. If the words will be up there, you can sit down, you can sing along, you can dance down the back if you want to. John, Trish, Amanda and Steve are going to be here. If you want to make that step of faith, you want someone to stand with you in that step of faith, you want one of us to pray with you in that step of faith, then you're going to have to get off the chair and make a step of faith. We, we do not do this very often in hope. Actually, we do it very seldom. We normally just say, sit where you are and you connect with God because at the end of the day, this is about you and Jesus. But today, it's going to take a step of faith. And let me just explain one little thing about a step of faith. John's sitting there going, shut up, Brian, I have a ferry to catch. <laughs> Every time I walk out my door and go over onto Cash Road to catch a bus, I make a step of faith. I walk out to that bus stop in faith that a bus is going to come. True? You don't need anything special to make a step of faith. All you need is to believe the bus is going to come. If you don't believe that, I'm going to tell you, we believe it because the bus has come for us. Jesus is here. The presence of God is in this place. If you need it, he's here and he's the one who can supply it. So go get the bus. Get out of the chair. Let one of these folks pray with you. Life will never, ever be the same again, I promise you. Amen? Amen. Um, let's play the song, Craig. And uh, Father, I just want to ask you to bless every single person in this room, whether someone comes up for prayer or not, that you just bless every one of us, that this week would be a week where we experience your joy, where we experience your peace, where we experience the adventure of living life and not just surviving, where we live a life that will not have regrets, regrets and we won't go to, to the grave wishing we'd have done stuff. But where this, and if, if people in this room do not know you and do not know what Amanda's talking about, I pray today they live in a very, very different place. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We play this song. The guys will be here if you want prayer. <laughs>